0: Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This week, Bishop talks about his recent trip to El Salvador with Catholic Relief Services, hear about the CRS farming projects there, as well as Bishop's visit to a prison, and his chance to walk in the footsteps of St. Oscar Romero.
1: Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop. Welcome back to the United States, Bishop. Thanks, Kyle. Great to be back. And you were in El Salvador with the Catholic Relief Services. Maybe before we get into that trip, could you give us a little background on your work with Catholic Relief Services and some of the trips that you've
0: done in the past? Yes, I'm on the, I was elected to be on the board of directors, so I think uh, I think this year is my last year of the second term that I was elected to, so I'll be missing this how, opportunity. How many
1: years for a term?
0: Uh, three years each, okay. so this is the sixth year, and I've been on... Four trips now uh, Haiti was the first then the West Bank and Gaza uh, then Ethiopia and now El Salvador so every trip I've learned so much and it's it's really important that the board members that we really visit our staff and the projects in different countries it's helpful to them to show our support but it's also helpful for us because we're making decisions about projects etc so Mm -hmm. learning about the situation in each country and the the needs and uh, you know and and there's a lot of needs in these uh poor countries of the world so el salvador was uh, a country i've been wanting to go to for quite some time and uh the first time i was ever in central america was um World Youth Day in Panama, but Panama is a uh, more prosperous country than El Salvador. El Salvador is one of the poorest and also most violent. So mm. it's been scarred by war. Remember the civil war in the 1980s, mm-hmm. the assassination of uh, Archbishop Oscar Romero, and uh, some 75,000 people were killed during that civil war. Mm. Um, we had a lot of emigration to the United States. And you know, problems of economic inequality, ecological problems, earthquakes. It's called the land of volcanoes. Uh, I got to climb one of the mountains, uh, and uh, not climb. We, we drove up and then climbed something of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a huge crater. It was really beautiful. That was right at uh, outside San Salvador, the capital. And you know, a country that's still plagued by violence. And as in other countries, CRS works with local partner organizations, especially the local church in its programming. Um, And clearly, the work in El Salvador is inspired by the words and the example of St. Oscar Romero. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. He was assassinated while he was celebrating mass. I think a lot of the listeners know his story. That was on March 23rd, 1980. That had a profound effect. Um, and still today, you know, everywhere I went, I saw images of St. Oscar Romero. Yeah, uh, Churches, people's homes, on the streets. Yeah, it was really quite a an excellent experience. Um, so I don't know if you have some questions about the trip. I can get into specifics if you'd sure, like. Sure, yeah. Maybe just to start with, who all went on the trip and, and what were some of the goals of the trip? Yeah, usually... It's a trip that has um and all of the trips have been like this. It's kind of a mixture some c r s staff from Baltimore okay. and on our trip, the head of c r s was with us Sean Callahan, okay. And also some other board members. There was one other bishop, board member, Bishop Felipe Esteves, the Bishop of St. Augustine, okay. who actually was an immigrant from Cuba and was re- came here in the Peter Pan program to, to Fort Wayne. And um, huh. now he's uh, Bishop of St. Augustine, Florida, and a few other board members and also some benefactors, donors to CRS. I think there were eight or nine of us. Okay. And so what was the goal of the trip? Well, the goal is really to, um, to see the works mm-hmm. of CRS. You know, one of the most, uh, I'd say, successful and areas of expertise of Catholic Relief Services around the world is in the area of agriculture you know, a lot of people know about CRS because of the work we do in emergency relief when Mm -hmm. there's an earthquake or a hurricane or a tsunami. You know, CRS is there providing help. But most of our work is really the long-term development. It's the idea of helping to uh, remove obstacles to sustainable development Mm -hmm. and to help improve uh, opportunities for people, especially economic opportunities. Now, in... El Salvador, most of the work is in that area. Well, really in two areas, I would say. One would be the area of agriculture and water. Hmm. And the other area has to do with youth and peace building. So, I think it would be uh, maybe helpful. I'll talk about one of the visits in the area of the agriculture. And then I'll talk about also the work with youth and peacemaking. And I'd like to also talk a little bit about Archbishop Romero and some sure. of the spiritual experience experiences that we had there. Yeah. So right now, if you look at the agriculture and water projects, our first full day there, I got there a day early where I was able to go up to the volcano <laughs> with one of the CRS staff who I got to know quite well. He took me up and uh, also I got to visit. The Central American University in San Salvador, which is a Jesuit university. So, I spent about three hours there. That's where the six Jesuit priests were assassinated. Hmm. And I saw the house where they lived. Also, their housekeeper and her teenage daughter were murdered as well um, by uh, military. And... Um, was there in the garden where their bodies were where they were taken and made to lay down and then shot in the head each of them visited their their tombs in the church there and wow. really looked at the photos saw their bloodstained clothes and one of the students at the university gave us the tour again that was from the time of the civil war and um, so that was how my trip began mm-hmm. the next day though we started to we, we set out to the western part of the country about an hour and a half away. It's a pretty small country geographically. Right. Went about an hour and a half and, and uh, visited one of six agriculture and water projects that CRS is implementing in El Salvador. What they're really trying to do is restore soil and protect the water resources so that these small farmers can have a decent income and um But one of the big problems, and of course, what Pope Francis talks about in Laudato Si is the environmental degradation. I saw it in Haiti. Mm -hmm. Similarly, maybe, but not as bad. In El Salvador, there's been a lot of deforestation. Mm -hmm. And that is not good for the climate. It's not good for the soil. So it's really become hard on these small farmers, you know. Mm -hmm. So CRS has... um, you know, teaches various methodologies, what's called water smart agriculture. And they do this in some other countries, too, Honduras, Guatemala, mm-hmm. Nicaragua. What it tries to do is teach conservation agriculture practices. We got to visit with a, a young couple, uh, parents, married couple, and they're a small farm. And they're, they've kind of become leaders in the community in this because they've learned it very well from CRS. So, uh-huh. they got to explain and walk us through the farm. You know, I'm not a farmer. So, learning all this was very interesting how they improve the quality of the soil and manage the soil, capture or harvest rainwater for subsequent irrigation. So all these different uh, procedures that they have are pretty simple and are affordable and they're effective. When there's degraded soil and water resources, obviously productivity is decreased, the farmers are very vulnerable to climate shocks, they have a lower yield of food and uh, of crops, etc. And this affects their livelihood tremendously. But with this project that's being implemented by CRS, we've seen how the soil and productivity have improved. The water smart practices have been very, very effective. They learn things like, um, and I noticed on the farm that we visited, where rather than leave the the, the soil just bare, and and after harvest they they cover it with. Um, rather than throwing away the um let's say the corn husks and everything they cover Mm -hmm. the soil with it that better captures Uh the water it's good for the soil so after you know a couple of years, it has really improved. Not only the quantity of their products, but also the quality. So it was really interesting to to see that. To talk to the people, and then other people in the community who came, other farmers came, and they shared how much this has impacted their livelihood. And you could just see it. And they're wanting. They help each other. That's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's um, they use the crops for their own food. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, They're very poor, but as their production improves, they're also able to sell and CRS also helps with with that whole aspect of it. Huh. You know, I'm not the most uh, knowledgeable in this, so I was kind of really just taking it all in. You know, water is really a big problem there. Uh like we had to just drink bottled water. A lot mm-hmm. of water is contaminated, but also the scarcity of water at times that leads to some drought. El Salvadoran bishops are very strong in advocating for or I should say advocating against efforts to of privatization of the water supply thinking that this is an element needed for the public good the common good and therefore shouldn't be in the hands of private you know it's 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 water is a natural right it's a right that people need mm-hmm. so that's been an int- that was an interesting thing as i got to talk to a few of the bishops of el salvador but that's been one of their priorities as well
1: so uh- Whenever you describe this, it's funny because it just sounds very practical and sometimes scientific, and that this would be something that, you know, government, maybe Peace Corps or some other charity organization would be doing. How does this fit in with Catholicism? And I think a lot of times we think of our efforts, they should be evangelical. We should be sharing the faith, but this is just a very practical kind of helping provide some information that's going to help them to
0: provide better crops so they can provide for themselves what's the catholic connection here yeah i mean it's very it's a question of human dignity i Mm -hmm. mean we can't live without clean water right and therefore it's it is a moral issue it's an ethical issue and i think the the importance of the church especially not just preaching the gospel but also acting on behalf of the gospel so this is that active part of it where i mean if you have so many people who who don't have safe water mm-hmm. or good sanitation that's another issue by the way especially in the rural areas of el salvador mm-hmm. that's where the people are at i mean they're struggling they're struggling for survival and and that's part of love, love of neighbor. We can't dismiss the physical needs of people. As mm-hmm. Jesus fed the hungry crowd, you know, he wasn't, we have the corporal works of mercy mm-hmm. as well as the spiritual works of mercy. So both are really important. And um, and CRS, you know, it is an agency for overseas development and it's but it's all inspired by the gospel it's you know that same day after we visited the farm uh, and saw some of the agricultural work being done we also visited a cooperative which by the way we always have project we always work together with the local caritas agency it's like catholic charities in mm-hmm. the united states every country or most countries have the catholic church has a caritas organization Okay, caritas means charity. It's a Latin word. So, so we work together with Caritas El Salvador. When we visited this cooperative, we had lunch, and their CRS staff is working with local leaders and young people to restore land, kind of similarly to what I've been talking about, mm-hmm. uh, implementing good agriculture practices, but also st- to stimulate the local markets. When we visited that cooperative to see the opportunities for young people in agriculture, because mm-hmm. part of the problem in El Salvador, you know, with the so many people, especially young people going to the city, the city's quite overcrowded, San Salvador, you oh. know, and some young people, like here in the United States, they maybe have grown up on a farm, but they w- don't want to continue it. But but really, we need farmers, yeah. and, um, and there's not enough employment opportunities in the urban areas. So it was good to see these opportunities to get young people involved. And actually, the young people I met were pretty excited about it, especially they see how important conservation is, sure. um, the restoration of land. So with education— in this area and training it's working with these young people to prepare really the next generation of farmers and not only next generation of farmers but also community leaders because leadership is also part of the the work um it all you know it was interesting that day i thought a lot about pope francis's encyclical laudato si Mm -hmm. because of You know, how El Salvador has suffered from deforestation, soil erosion, poor management of water. All of those things were addressed by Pope Francis in Laudato Si. So it was good to see the church involved in ecological education and responding to the Holy Father's call to care for creation. That's another part of our faith. Uh You know, we have responsibility to protect our common home. So when you look at the concrete works of of CRS and its partners in El Salvador, we see how this is having a positive effect on the lives of many poor people and families whose lives really have been harmed by the tragic effects of of environmental degradation. The projects that we visited really gave me hope for a better future for these people. So that was was a big part of um, the first part of the week. Okay, well I've got a lot more questions And there's a lot more to talk about
1: About Bishop's trip to El Salvador With Catholic Relief Services That'll be coming up right here On Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes Brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our bishop who is back from a visit to El Salvador with Catholic Relief Services. You've been talking a lot about the agricultural work that they're doing down there and just general kind of corporal and spiritual works of mercy. And I know the youth was also a component of this trip. So what?
0: how did the youth... How are they involved with this? Yeah. Well, CRS really, there are two main areas of focus in El Salvador, is the agriculture and water, which I just spoke about, uh-huh. but also youth violence reduction okay. and peace building programming. Huh. So really, CRS has been involved in this area for over 10 years, especially providing opportunities to youth who are at risk having these programs that are really transformative that are focused on their having a livelihood that they not fall into hopelessness and then hmm. become members of gangs. Cause that's really the main source of violence in El Salvador today is gang violence, mostly in
1: San Salvador or outside of that as well. well
0: it was mostly in San Salvador, but because of a lot of police crackdown, you know, a lot of the gangs have moved into rural areas. So Mm. it's both, both now. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, I was especially interested in this. And one of the main highlights of the whole week was visiting a a prison in San Salvador. It's called La Esperanza, which means hope. It's an interesting name for a prison. Yeah. Was it a religious? No, no, it isn't, but the country's so religious. Yeah. 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 El Salvador has high levels of violent crime and insecurity because of the conflicts between rival gangs and between gangs and police forces. So the incarceration rates are very high. The prisons were a few years ago, three over 300 percent overcrowded wow. They're Now it's gone down. It's currently 215% overcrowded. And I saw this in the prison that we visited, La Esperanza. There are about 40,000 incarcerated people among El Salvador's 6.3 million people. Hmm. It's one of the most violent countries in the world. There's been some decrease in the number of homicides in the last few years, so that's a good sign. But still, it's still one of the highest. Yeah. CRS is present in eight of the prisons, and most of the prisoners are young people. So, CRS works with both the prisoners and the prison guards in a project that's called Second Chances, Private Sector Rehabilitation and Reinsertion. So, they give training in areas like masculinity, communication, healing from trauma, conflict resolution so Hmm. they're very very involved so in our visit we began with a meeting with the warden and one of the judges very interesting their perspective and they were both very appreciative because they see the positive results of the crs programs including when prisoners are released but even in the life daily life of the prison presently like rehabilitation right it's okay. it's real rehabilitation yeah so after we met with the warden and the judge that we went in and by the way there's a lot of security obviously <laughs> but not like here i mean they don't have nearly as many prison guards and security as we would have in our prisons okay um and probably not the technology as no well. no But there were about maybe 60 uh, mostly young people that we met with inmates who had participated in a program of CRS called Estoy Dispuesto, which means I am ready. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. I was so impressed by this. The inmates were so happy to see us. Uh And they were really happy to share with us the positive impact of this program on them and their lives. And... um, We were able to learn a little bit about the curriculum of this program, Estoy Dispuesto, and the different methodologies that are used, really based on cognitive behavioral therapy, providing really social skills and skills to change negative behavior and develop positive behaviors. Mm -hmm. For example, they had this thing, I think it was called Six or Seven Seconds, that you get angry And before you do anything, you wait six or seven seconds. I mean, something as simple as that. And then the tension is released a bit, so one doesn't respond to a situation with violence. Sure. It's interesting that um, over 90% of the prisoners who've participated in the CRS programs in prison that have been... Uh, those that have been released, over 90% of them have not reoffended, which is really remarkable. I mean, I, I've never heard that high a success. Yeah. I mean, talking, I had opportunities to talk to these young men. I didn't ask them like why they were there. That would not have been appropriate. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask about the crimes they committed. I mean, some of them were, pro- were clearly gang members because I saw the tattoos of the gangs on mm-hmm. them. But after we had this time and with them and did some activities with them okay. that are part of the program, which were fun activities. So it's not just like they're sitting there being lectured to. No, these are active things and the teachers the, the staff the crs people were very dynamic uh-huh. so it was really good and they prayed it was prayer was part of it okay then we got a tour as i said it's very overcrowded we went into an area very open area that had a whole lot of classes going on classes in english art theology all these different things different groups of prisoners were taking i mean there were hundreds they're all dressed in white. They all had white prison garb in this area.
1: Is that offered by CRS or offered no, by the no, government? No, no, that's
0: other, others. Okay. Yeah. CRS does this, this program I mentioned, but this uh-huh. is different. Okay. Uh, but then I got to go into the cells, and it was interesting. If you go into a prison cell, I mean, I've been in done prison ministry in the United States. There's usually persons either alone or has a roommate here in a very small room are 10, like, bunk beds. Mm -hmm. So there's, I mean, bunk beds, five bunk beds, 10 beds, Mm -hmm. then a bathroom, and then another room with another 10 uh, beds, with bunk Mm -hmm. beds. So really, there's 20 in this one area. And in that area of 20, there are 30 guys. (laughs) So 10 are sleeping on the floor. Mm -hmm. They're all sharing one toilet. And one shower mm-hmm. and the water is not great either it is really crowded one of the fun things is there were we got to uh as we were walking around there were two prison bands that uh really were excellent that they performed for us one was more like a caribbean style it was like merengue and salsa and really lively uh-huh. uh, and it was they were excellent i mean they could be on tv and the other was other um i don't know what how i would describe the kind of music it was also very upbeat but probably more typical salvadoran kind of music okay but both were so happy to perform for us the visit to the prison was a real highlight for us. And then, after that, that was pretty much the morning, we visited one of the other youth programs that CRS has called Jovenes Constructores which means Youth Builders. It's actually a program that began in the United States, I think, but it's been huh. adapted by CRS for its youth programming in El Salvador. So we went to this local parish called Our Lady of the Martyrs, and the young people shared with us their experience and experiences in this program. Over 5,000 young people in El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua have gone through the program Through CRS. And basically, it's a four to six month program. And the youth are trained in basically skills for life, Mm -hmm. such as constructive conflict resolution because of the violence, Uh self esteem, communication skills, teamwork, responsibility, and perseverance. They learn vocational skills. And again, this has been very successful. Over 70% of the young people who've gone through this jovenes constructores get a job, or start a business, or go back to school. This model, Jovenes Constructores, is uh, integrated in all of the youth programming that CRS does in El Salvador. We had mass every day, but we had mass there in the parish church, and some of the young people attended. I was the main celebrant. I thought it was appropriate that the church was Our Lady of the Martyrs, because the Mm -hmm. martyrs had kind of been with us all through the week, St. Oscar Romero and others who've who've been killed for uh, for the faith and for their work on on behalf of the poor and their work for justice.
1: It's so interesting to hear all of these different components that CRS is doing that, uh, I, I mean, I've been following CRS for quite a while, but didn't realize they were in all of these different aspects. And uh, it's good to hear that, You know, some progress is really being made in in some of these places. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the work of CRS, about El Salvador. And if anybody has any questions, you can call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And coming up, we'll continue our conversation about Bishop's trip to El Salvador with Catholic Relief Services. Right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. Brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman, and we've been talking about Bishop's trip to El Salvador, which has been fascinating, and I know there's so many stories that you have yet to share, so where do you want to take us next?
0: Yeah, well, I'll just tell you some of the other things that happened during the week. We had a visit with the U.S. ambassador to El Salvador. His name is Ronald Johnson. Okay. And also with the Apostolic Nuncio to El Salvador, Archbishop Santo Rocco Ganjemi. Hmm. And these visits provided the opportunity to learn first about US relations with El Salvador and then Vatican relations with El Salvador, because sure. they're both basically ambassadors uh-huh. and they both expressed their appreciation for the work of CRS. But we learned a lot, a lot about the political situation, the new president. There's a lot of hope. It's the first time they have a president who's not from these two main parties. Oh. Uh, the the Arena Party, which is more on the right, and then the the more leftist party, they've both kind of alternated in government since the, since the war ended in 1992, there's kind of a new hope, I would say, in the country because of this new, pretty young, new president. Talking about the youth, I want to tell you about an experience I had, and then I want to tell you a little bit more about Archbishop Romero, but on the last day, the group was able to do some a little touring and I had already done that on the first day when I went up to the volcano and visited the Central American University as I mentioned. So I was really interested though in going to visit a parish Immaculate Conception Parish in a small city called Soyapango. Soyapango is kind of like a suburb of, of San Salvador but it, it's a city in itself it has over 200,000 people and it was a city that was really built during the war a lot of people from the countryside from the rural areas where the guerrillas were very active had to flee their homes kind of as refugees internally displaced and they set up tents and started building shacks in this area that is now called soyapango and it became very densely populated. And it was an area where Archbishop Romero visited. I remember a famous picture of him walking through the, these narrow alleys of this area. Which, and a lot of it was a garbage dump. Hmm. So, they built right on top of a garbage dump. Well, it's, uh, it's very, very poor. And it's very violent. Because of the dangerous nature of that. The group wasn't taken there, but fortunately I was able to go by my, not by myself. I went to, uh, CRS people took me, just me over to visit with the priest. Who's the past, one of the pastors in one of the parishes there and, um, extremely poor area, a slum it's infamously known as the most dangerous city of Central America. And it's a really a breeding ground for the gangs. Hmm. It's the place where, and you wonder about the gangs in El Salvador. They didn't begin in El Salvador. The gangs began in Los Angeles. Wow. And a lot of these were Salvadoran immigrants who were formed into gangs because of the gangs in Los Angeles kind of to protect themselves, but they became themselves very violent as well. We know Mm the MS-13 gang and the 18th street gang, they are really main rivals. So Soyapango is like a battleground between these two gangs. And both of those started in the United States? Because these young people were deported from the United States. Uh And when they came back, they had nothing. They went to Soyapango. Okay. So, most of the murders in the past two decades in El Salvador have been connected in some way to these two gangs. Wow. And the government security forces fighting with them. Mm-hmm. So the pastor took me on a walk through the neighborhood. They had two churches of the parish and both had perpetual adoration chapels Wow, where we stopped to pray. I mean, it's kind of amazing in this neighborhood. Um, walked on these train tracks. Train hasn't been used for decades, but the same path that Archbishop Romero walked when he visited. So mm. that was kind of neat. And, and on both sides, there was terrible poverty. I mean, you know, these corrugated metal roofs on these very on these poor shacks mm-hmm. and it smelled and and the people were very very poor and mm-hmm. and then there were parts of the neighborhood that weren't at that bad that were still one story but cement kind of houses So I walked through that very poor and violent area. It was interesting to see that there the church was there in these perpetual Mm -hmm. adoration chapels. It was just really beautiful. Well, CRS is implementing a small scholarship program for young people there. It's named in honor of Archbishop Romero. So 26 young people from the community in Soyapango have scholarships to attend private universities in San Salvador. (laughs) So I had the opportunity to visit with three of these young people, college students, and to visit with their families in their homes, these small, very poor homes, talk about what their hopes and dreams were. I mean, kind of amazing. The the parish priest who took me around, he's the one who selects which young people get the scholarships. Uh They are funded by the United States private donations. And I was just so inspired by the, these very promising young people from this neighborhood. They're already good kids. They, they have not joined the gangs. They've um, now can have a university education first time in their families that any of them had that kind of an education I think they're a sign of hope in that community, and they all intend to give back to the community by serving in Pango after they graduate. Mm-hmm. that was a very moving time for me i I mean it was a little dangerous. I saw gang members in the street kind of checking us out, but I felt safe because I was with the priest and they don't they don't bother him it, it doesn't they, seem, they respect him they seem to respect him, yeah, <laughs> but I wanted to see. That neighborhood, you know, I didn't want to just, you know, I'd been on the farm and I had, you know, been to the university and been to these other youth projects in rural areas, etc. But I really wanted to see kind of that worst part of of the country and to see that even there, the church was present. Mm -hmm. Christ was present among the people. I learned a lot about Archbishop Romero during the week. I mentioned that we had mass in the chapel. I think I mentioned we had mass in the chapel where he was assassinated. And it was really emotional to con- celebrate on that altar where Archbishop Romero stood when an assassin's bullet pierced his heart. I saw exactly where his body fell. They have now glass over it because his blood would have seeped into the 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 floor. And it's covered in glass with an image of how his body lay Mm -hmm. after he was shot. And really, it was one of those bullets that explodes. So, he he exploded in his heart. I saw his alb, all bloody, Mm -hmm. and his chasuble that he was wearing. The celebrant of the mass, I was a concelebrant, was Cardinal Chavez, Cardinal Gregorio Rosa Rosa Chavez, who was a close collaborator of Archbishop Romero, so I got to talk to him. Um, he uh, was rector of the seminary at the time that, that Oscar Romero was killed. He was also very supportive of the work of CRS. He knew it well because he had been president of, for many years of Caritas El Salvador. And it was a really sur- a big surprise a few years ago when he was named a cardinal because he's not the archbishop. Mm-hmm. He's an auxiliary bishop of San Salvador. Huh. I don't know that ever a car, uh, uh, the pope has ever named, any pope has ever named an auxiliary bishop to be a cardinal. Imagine you're the archbishop and your auxiliary is a cardinal. <laughs> but anyhow... Pope Francis is really recognizing the many years of devoted ministry to the poor Mm -hmm. of Cardinal Chavez and his efforts to promote peace and justice in El Salvador, really continuing the work of St. Oscar Romero. After Mass, I visited, there was a little room off the sacristy of the chapel where Archbishop Romero lived for several months. And then our whole group visited the simple house that the people built for the archbishop that's very near the chapel this is on the grounds of a hosp- of a hospice that are run by religious sisters so he lived very poorly and we saw his bloodstained shirt as i said his best bloodstained vestments some of his simple possessions photos from his life and his death you know three years before he was assassinated his close friend, father, a Jesuit, Father Rutilio Grande, was murdered, and that had a profound impact on him. His close friend who was who was really killed for his preaching of the of the gospel and and Father Rutilio Grande, his cause for beatification is in process right now. He, like Archbishop Romero, condemned violence and injustice against the Salvadoran people. That's why he was murdered. and Archbishop Romero and Father Grande, both believed in the church's duty to help the poor and to champion human rights. The day before his assassination, Archbishop Romero, he was assassinated on Monday. The day before on Sunday, he gave a homily that was a strong rebuke to the soldiers in the armed forces. And I think maybe those words provoked his mm-hmm. assassination. I, you may have read these before, but I'll just, I have it here with me. i will I'll, I'll just quote, his homily, part of his homily just to, so you get a sense Yeah, Archbishop Romero said brothers you came from your own people you are killing your own brothers any human order to kill must be subordinate to the law of God which says thou shalt not kill no soldier is obliged to obey an order contrary to the law of God no one has to obey an immoral law It is high time you obeyed your consciences rather than sinful orders. The church cannot remain silent before such an abomination. In the name of God, in the name of the suffering people whose cry rises to heaven more loudly each day, I implore you, I beg you, I order you, stop the repression. Hmm. Wow. Talk about courage. Right. He knew, I think, in some ways that he would probably be killed. One of the things that he said, um, and this was just a few weeks before his assassination, he said, if God accepts the sacrifice of my life, may my death be for the freedom of my people. A bishop will die, but the church of God, which is the people, will never perish. I do not believe in death without resurrection. If they kill me, I will rise again in the people of El Salvador. Well, those were prophetic words, and they're true. I mean, I see all the good being done. I saw the good being done by priests, by lay people. CRS, all so deeply committed, like Archbishop Romero, to peace and justice. I think they really took to heart the teaching of St. Oscar Romero that peace is the product of justice and love. Peace is the product of justice and love. It was a very inspiring week. I think I've returned with, I would say, kind of maybe more resolve, certainly devotion to St. Oscar Romero, but also witnessing all that I did during that week. I think it's really um, opened my heart more to the suffering of people from violence and poverty, And yet, at the same time, learning from them, really to have faith and hope in the Lord. You know, one of the quotes of St. Oscar Romero that I read during the week, and it still resounds in my heart, is, there are many things that can only be seen through eyes that have cried. Hmm. There are many things that can only be seen through eyes that have cried. So, I really want to read, uh, I'm going to try to get a collection of his homilies and read them and use them in prayer. Maybe one last quote from St. Oscar Romero. Let us not tire of preaching love. It is the force that will overcome the world. So, thank you for the opportunity to share these experiences, Kyle.
1: Yeah, I wonder if, whenever we come back, if you could maybe just give us a little bit of a challenge on, on what we can do and what we can learn from all of this as well here in Indiana. Uh, if anybody has any questions, we'll get back to those next week. You can ask them by going to com slash AskBishop or text us on the Holy Cross College text line 260 436 Ninety-five, ninety-eight, and coming up. We'll have just a little wrap up here on Bishop's trip to El Salvador with Catholic Relief Services on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.
0: What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit member-owned cooperative Our mission is to help our members improve their lives by providing products and services to save them money. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it away to our members' favorite charities. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.
1: Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our Bishop. You mentioned how this kind of has inspired you personally to look into some of Saint Oscar Romero's writings, his homilies. Is there anything that you see implementing in the diocese? Anything that you'd like to change, or anything that you would hope that people listening would be inspired by, and, and hope that they would? Well, I hope learn you know this? everyone,
0: uh, you know myself included, that we understand how important these works of love. And works of charity and works on behalf of justice all of this is part of our faith mm-hmm. this isn't something optional for us catholics the piety of the people was was beautiful but then that piety and devotion is also to be lived mm-hmm. so i mentioned the two adoration chapels in the uh, in soyapango and that's where people are nourished and at holy mass to then go out and be christ to others there was one very poor woman who had left the adoration chapel and uh we were talking to her and entered this really poor little uh, shack and there was a elderly woman she must have been in her 90s and and this other woman and others will look in on her all the time and Mm -hmm. share their food with her so they hardly have any food themselves yeah it's just so beautiful to see that so i think one of the things is I have been promoting Catholic relief services in our diocese. That's one thing we can do. And I want sure. to continue to promote it right. in our high schools. They're all CRS global schools. We have parish ambassadors for CRS in many of our parishes. So that educational element's real important that we learn. Because when we talk about the common good, which is a fundamental principle of our Catholic mm-hmm. faith, we have to remember it's not just the good of, of people in our own country, but right. but it's, people around the world are the human family that we need to be concerned about and also poverty here in our own communities you know every parish every catholic community should have a commitment to the poor in their community mm-hmm. to doing something to help those who are hungry who are without work who are struggling with drug addictions who are tempted to violence you know prison ministry for example i've been pushing a lot that the catholic church needs to be present in all of the jails of our diocese so some of this stuff already are things that have been part of my ministry and something that i encourage but i think my resolve is even stronger after being in el salvador and i think pope francis this is a big emphasis of his too how we should go out to the peripheries and this is really the peripheries yeah so both overseas but right in our own communities in our own nation to go out to people who are vulnerable who are poor who are in need to go out with the charity of christ and to work for justice on their behalf the other thing of course is care for the environment our Mm -hmm. common home seeing the environmental harm in in El Salvador, like I saw in Haiti. Really, the Pope's teaching in Laudato Si' really came to the fore. So, I'm hoping that we'll even have more study and more people engaged in in learning about the church's teaching in the area of ecology, and of course, how it's connected to human ecology. So, we talk about the harmful, we see the harmful effects of environmental harm or environmental degradation on people Mm -hmm. you know especially those who are poor poor farmers etc
1: yeah all right well thank you so much for sharing about your trip Uh, people can check out today's catholic for article that you wrote about your trip there as well and pictures
0: Can we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.